Today, I want to read from Mark chapter 13. Now, I debated on reading the whole of Mark chapter 13 to you, but it's quite long, so I will start at the beginning, and then I will probably jump down a little bit. Uh, But Mark chapter 13, um, and we'll start reading at verse 1. Uh, I want to precursor this preach to say that it is an encouraging preach. So when we read Mark chapter 13 and we get to the end of it, and you all think, oh my goodness, what are, we going to be, what are we going to be looking at today? It is encouraging, and I'll explain why in a minute. So, it says, Jesus came out of the temple, and one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, that wonderful, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations." And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand for, uh, for what you're about to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and his father, his child, and children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved." Uh, if we just jump down to verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And just jump down again to verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour... No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard, keep awake, for you do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the cock crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you all, uh, what I say to you, I say to you all, stay awake. So yes, this is going to be an encouraging preach. Um, it is going to be an encouraging message. I was going to preach on something completely different, um, but God really spoke to me and reminded me of an essay that I had written for... Uh, my college course, my youth work and ministry course on uh, 
things to do with the end times and eschatology and things like that. And I started to work through it and I started to have conversations with other people in the church as to what might God be saying. And it just really drew me to this point um, that I want to bring today. And also, as a second encouragement, Steve texted me this morning to say that John Hosier had spoken on a very similar thing down in um, Poole this last week, last week, a week ago. And I just really confirmed that actually this is something that God wants to bring to us today. So I want to pull three points from this passage, uh, well, kind of half the passage and a little bit more, and then do a little bit of activation at the end. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can be encouraged by your word. We thank you that we can find things from your word that encourage us and inspire us in our lives and in the uh, in, in the years to come as we uh, work for you in this kingdom. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would open our ears and our hearts and our eyes now. Holy Spirit, would you continue to minister to us as we hear from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So many, if not all of you, I'm sure have seen some kind of news over the last few weeks and months. Uh, We've got the crisis going on in Iraq. We've got the Syria crisis still going on. Three years ago that started, which was quite crazy. You've got the Ukraine. We've got Ebola virus in Western Africa. We've got riots going on in America, in an American city. And it's really interesting, I think, when things like this happen, to see on social media a number of posts and tweets that are talking a lot about apocalyptic end times kind of uh, things. I saw one like, oh, bring on the four horsemen of the apocalypse, somebody put. But it's also happening in the media as well. The media are kind of giving this real swing of apocalyptic um, emphasis on a lot of what we are seeing. Uh, there was something the other day where they used the word over and over again on the radio about how uh, this um, what's going on in Iraq has got this apocalyptic end times kind of idea and this was on Radio 4 and it was really interesting and intriguing Um, and then I talked to Steve the other day we went out for um, out for a drink and we had this conversation about Steve meeting up with somebody um, on the street who was doing some some uh, street evangelism kind of thing and they were talking about, you know, do you think we're in the end times then? Do you think we're there? Do you think we're there? And I just think it's, it's fascinating when things like this happen. This rears its head every single time. And this is not going to be an end times theology preach. I'm not going to baffle you with incredible signs, wonders, and all kinds of things from the Bible and how, how it all fits together and all that kind of thing. But it, I want it to be an encouragement to us in these times as to what we read in this passage. So point one, I, I want to focus a little bit on the very first thing that Jesus says um, and the disciples say to him. So in chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Jesus came out of the temple. Now, it's interesting, what was he doing in the temple? Previously, he had been um, questioned a lot by the religious leaders, and they were trying to catch him out a lot. And they were talking about the greatest commandment and, and all this kind of thing, and trying to trying to trip him up. And then... They sat down and watched people throwing their money into a pot, uh, into the offering box. Many rich people with large sums, it says. And then the widow came up with her, uh, her very small contribution. And Jesus says... Um, she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had and all she has to live on. And then they left the temple. And at that point, the disciples turn round and they say... What incredible stones and what beautiful buildings. And they've turned back and looked at the temple. Now the temple at that point had been added to by Herod. um, And 
he had made an incredible stone uh, walls, carvings. It would have been adorned with all kinds of riches. And it probably would have looked amazing. But Jesus answers them quite bluntly and abruptly and says, do you see these great buildings? They're not going to be there for long. And it's, it's interesting that the disciples didn't really seem to get the idea of looking back at these buildings. They'd just seen a widow put in her last coin and Jesus saying, now that is, that is incredible. She gave out of her poverty and not out of her riches. And they turn around and they say, look at that incredible building. Isn't it amazing? And it's like you're looking at the riches again. Not one stone will be left, says Jesus. You see, the disciples were focused on the worldly aspect of things. They were focused on what they could see. The temple probably was beautiful. I've never seen it. But it shouldn't have been the focus for the disciples. And sometimes maybe we can become quite focused on what we see and get wrapped up in it. Um, When I was younger, I used to get very wrapped up in all this apocalyptic end time stuff. I had the fear of who knows what with, with all of this stuff. I just was petrified by it. I remember when I was about eight, praying that I would see Jesus return before I died. And then when I got to the age of 13, saying, God, I retract that prayer. I do not want that to happen after what I've been taught in my youth group um, about what had to happen. And I suppose for me, I was constantly looking at signs of things. There was a bird flu epidemic, an outbreak. That's it. Oh, my goodness, that's it. I'm scared about that because that could be this. Then something else happened. Then this happened and this happened. Oh, another war and another, another outbreak of something. And I completely believe that it is right as Christians that we mourn and we pray with those and we help and we offer aid and all of those things. I think that is absolutely right. But to use these events as signs, I think, throws us off track. I'll explain what I mean shortly. But I think what I'm trying to get out on this first point is that Jesus is saying, let's look at at, at what, not, not worldly things. Jesus stresses that we often put our trust in things that fade. We put things in trust in walls or in things that aren't going to be there. The bird flu epidemic has been and gone. You know, I wasn't putting my trust in that, but I was focusing so much in that. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your minds on things above. Let's get a right perspective. Let's put aside the things of this world. So we need to get a correct perspective, not about worldly things, but about the the bigger perspective of what God is doing. So what is this bigger perspective? What is God doing? I'm not going to answer for God in that, but we'll uh, we'll have a look at scripture. So it says, verse 5, he sat down, and the disciples wanted this sign, very much like me when I was younger. They just, oh, come on, give us a sign that something's going to happen. And Jesus says to them, see that no one leads you astray. He almost says, watch out. And then he lists this big list of things that they're going to see. False teachers rising up, wars, rumors of wars, nations rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famine. This was all about the destruction of the temple at the time. But I really genuinely believe that when you see prophetic things in the Bible, there's a a now and a not yet element to it as well. It does sound very similar to what we've got going on in the world today. You see, this whole chapter is called the Little Apocalypse by many theologians. And it's very close to Revelation. If you look through what happens in Revelation, there's wars, there's rumours of wars, there's famines, there's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the pestilence, the plagues, all that kind of thing. And actually, 
it's quite similar that Jesus is talking about this. But in many, many commentaries, uh, one specifically by Donald Fisher, he says this, all these things are par for the course. All these things are going to happen. And Jesus continues this list in verses 9 to 13, an incredible list. You're going to be handed over to the councils. You're going to be beaten in synagogues. Um, You're going to bear witness before them. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Then you will stand trial uh, and they'll, they'll deliver you over. Don't be anxious. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Then brother will deliver brother over to death. Father, his children, children, his parents, and they, you will be hated for my mate's sake. Quite a big thing, really. I mean, I can imagine the disciples sitting there going, I only asked for one sign and now you're giving me all of these. But it's interesting that then Jesus swings around and says but even this is not the end these are just things that need to happen and in revelation uh, some of the um the theologians of revelation will talk about again this being just a circle of church history it's not necessarily this is going to happen then this is going to happen then this is going to happen then this then this then this and this and there's the end it's more of a this will happen this will happen this will happen this and then we go back and this will happen and it's a church history thing kind of going round in a circle until that time when Jesus returns so there's two things in that really short passage that should encourage us in this time and one of those is in verse 10 it's almost a, a kind of a a moment where it's just added in dropped in and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations the gospel will be preached it's an encouragement to christians to get the right perspective and carry on preaching the gospel whatever the consequences speak the truth because the truth is what sustains and how do we do that in verse 11 well the holy spirit will inspire us the holy spirit will inspire us now I'm not claiming that I have been through trials and and tribulations that others are going through. But a very small testimony on this is that when it's election time, I I go and work in a polling booth. So I'm there from 7 in the morning until 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, and then I usually go on and count the votes afterwards. So you're out for kind of 24 hours in, in, in one room. And this last election didn't have a great turnout, so you end up either reading a book or eating, or talking to the people in the room with you, uh, uh, your colleagues. And I work with a couple of people, um, and conversations tend to spiral off in different directions. And one of them said, do you know what? how you could make this completely right? The world could be put right if you kill all the politicians and you kill all the priests. And at that point, something inside me went, I need to get involved. I need to start talking, because I usually stay quite quiet, because there's a lot of interesting conversations going on. Because I thought, they're talking about killing people who are my friends, who I work with, who you know, I'm involved with you know, on a day-to-day life. But I didn't open my mouth, and I stayed silent. And afterwards, I left and was talking to somebody about it, and was like, if only I'd just opened my mouth, because the Holy Spirit would have filled it. And even if I'd have mumbled and bumbled and chunted my way through it, there would have been something in there of God. You see, it says in verse 11, when, uh, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand for what you're about to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not for you to speak, but the Holy Spirit. And there was just that moment where I needed to say something. 
There's a positive story as well. That's kind of a not so positive story in the fact that the time that it did actually, I did open my mouth, and it's it was a time in a um, a lunchtime club at school. And I can't really go into the specifics of it, but it was just one of those moments where you open your mouth and you say, "Shall we pray?" and it didn't really seem to fit that we should pray, but we did. And it was incredible to see that actually there was just a real sense of God in that place, in that classroom at the time, which was quite eye-opening for the young people in there, really. Um, and so there's that moment where you're like, we need to preach the gospel. That's what sustains. We need to focus on things that don't fade. The Holy Spirit is active and living, and he does fill our mouths when we're in situations where we don't know what to say. We need to focus on things that don't fade. We need to keep the truth, keep the right perspective. Because actually all these things that are happening, the Bible teaches are just, they need to happen. These things need to happen, but this is not the end. Let's not get bogged down with this idea of, well, this is it. This is this moment. But having said all this, we can't be complacent. Jesus says, nobody knows the time. Jesus could come back in one minute's time. He could come back in 400 years' time. Who knows? Only the Father knows. Not even Jesus himself knows. Which, that just blew my mind. And it was one of those things when I was younger that really got me. And I thought, I feel so much better that actually it could be hundreds of years' time. And actually I was getting bogged down so much in all of this. You see, we need to acknowledge that actually we are in the end times. But we have been ever since Jesus rose from the dead. You see, Jürgen Moltmann, who's a big theologian um, from Germany, I think, with a name, yeah. Um, He says, proper theology would have to be constructed in the light of its future goal. Eschatology, or the end times, should not be its end, but its beginning, and all should be seen by this. In other words, we shouldn't say, here's Christianity, and the end times are tagged on the end. It should be, the whole of Christianity is looking forward to that glorious time when Jesus comes back. Andrew Wilson, at the very first Catalyst you went to, spoke an incredible message of, do you know what, there's so much stuff going on in the world, there's so much hurt, and so much pain, and so much suffering, but Jesus is at the end of it all, and he is the risen king, and he's the one who is going to make everything right. There is a a brilliant end to all of this, and it was a real encouragement to hear. And Revelation 21 talks about, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice on the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is now with man. He will dwell with them and they will be with his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I am making all things new. You see, we're to keep watch. Jesus, at the end of this this verse 13 passage in Mark, tells us, stay awake, keep watch. And it's not about charting when the end's coming and saying, well, that sign's happened and, and that sign's happened. It's about saying, oh, 
Jesus, there's so much going on in the world, but thank you. Thank you that you are going to come back. And you know what? We need to spread the gospel before he does. Keep watch. Keep spreading the gospel. When I was younger, we used to get taught in youth group that read the, read the end of the story, God wins. But I never quite understood that because God won on the cross. And so it's kind of read the end of the story. God's already won. There's an encouragement for us that God's won already. And all of this is just playing out until that glorious moment when God comes and reclaims the church as his bride and wraps it all up. So don't get bogged down, I think, with the theology of charting things. Things will happen. Let's be encouraged that God won. He won on the cross. When all sin was defeated, everything we had done, everything we will ever do that is wrong and is just does not match up to what God wants was defeated. The enemy is under our feet. And God is just preparing that time for that moment when he will return. And Jesus will come and take his bride. So we need to focus on things above. We need to get a right perspective on the gospel and keep preaching it. And we need to keep watch and hope and look forward to that day 